This episode of the podcast was brought to you by Vector. Go check out uptvector.com. They make the comfiest rigs. I've got one myself. I absolutely love it. They're pushing the way with development when it comes to the mutant harness. They've also invented the three rings. What hasn't Bill Boot done, to be honest with you? They're the best team, the best people. I've got so much time for them, and I trust everything they do. If you really want to get behind it, get to Vector Festival in the Czech Republic, August 24 to 29, 2020. I'm going to be there. There. All the best coaches in the world are going to be there. It's going to be absolutely huge. So, big shout out to Vector for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Irish the MC Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in last week. The response from around the world was incredible. So, we said we'd do it again, and this week I've got Matt Bogues from Australia. One of my best mates, but also one of the hardest working tunnel coaches out there. Is basically a full-time buggy coach as well. This guy's an animal when it comes to working and coaching and just been out in there in the community. Some of the things we're going to talk about in the podcast today is like, what's the hardest thing about being a full-time tunnel, tunnel coach and also being a buggy coach? What happened to boogies in Australia? How current do you have to be to be the best? Some really good answers there from Matt letting us know how current you'd have to be to be in that top group. The time he nearly died with a motor between his legs, 30 meters underwater, and also where these kids are going in the future. We also had the quickie 10 with Irish, also the awkward answer. It was a heap of fun, a heap of beers at 10 o'clock in the morning. Right, without further ado, let's get into it. I'm actually getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matt glad I had Bogues that beer. From Australia, welcome to the Irish DMC podcast. Thank you, Peter. Right, we're going to get straight <laughs> into it with the quickie 10 with Irish. I'm going to be nice and gentle with you, Matthew. I don't want to hurt you on the first time. I want to keep it nice and easy. All right, so first answer that comes out of your mouth, nice and quick. Yeah. Skydiving or tunnel? Oh, uh, skydiving, yeah. Skydiving? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tight suits or normal suits? Oh, <laughs> um, I do prefer the tighter suits. Oh, oh no. <laughs> We're going to get into that one later on because I need to work this shit out. Favorite food? Favorite food? Spaghetti bolognese with avocado. Only eat it once a year. Mum makes it on my birthday. It's epic. <laughs> <laughs> Mum makes it on my birthday. Yeah. So what, she puts it raw avocado. Nah, nah, nah. So she used to put it together and my whole family hated it. So then she puts the avocado in a bowl. And the spaghetti bolognese in the other bowl, and I just mix it together now. But I get it once a year, so yeah. <laughs> it's weird as shit. I get it I once a year. Yeah, that's so yeah. weird. All right, would you give up skydiving or sex? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to. I'm not really good at either of them. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll come back to that one. <laughs> Skydiving or sex? All oh, right, we're back again. Uh, <laughs> um, shit, sex because I'm not really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest, anyway. <laughs> All right, this will be a good one for you. Teaching or been taught? To teach or to be like taught? To, do you like to teach or to or to be taught? Um. Until about six months ago, I used to love to teach, but now it's definitely been taught. I like to learn. Yeah, right. 100%. Awesome. Favorite place in the world? 1770. That's the name of the the town. Yeah, it's like a number. It's epic. Near Agnes Waters. It's all time. All time. All right. Would you rather have world records or gold medals? (laughs) To be honest, I'm really not into either of them. 
But, um, I, I guess a gold medal would look pretty cool. But um, yeah, they're they're definitely not my what I strive to get. I just like to have fun. But, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Favorite movie. Favorite movie or um, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yes. it's sick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, That's a good question. Dumber. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. A favorite boogie and tunnel. My most favorite boogie. And tunnel. Well, that was the most recent one at Rail Week. That was the best boogie ever. Wow. Over yeah. Funny Farm. Funny Farm, I don't class the boogie. See, that's the yeah, same as me. Yeah, Funny Farm, it's in, it's in a league of its own. But best boogie yeah. by far is, is was Rail Week 2019 in Darwin, for those that don't know. And best tunnel. Yeah. Oh, I've only been to about 10 of them. But... um. Poland was in a like Katowice was really cool, like having your own bedroom upstairs. That was awesome. But Japan was also sick. They have like a trap door at the top, and you can back then you were allowed to. You could like uh, fly right up to the top and then jump off this mad like diving board kind of thing. And when you were right up the top, there was like you actually couldn't feel the wind from there, so it felt dead as shit. So you're like, whoa, this is on. And yeah, flying up to that and then jumping off that was probably the coolest thing. Yeah, and it was the fastest tunnel I think I've been into. Yeah, right. Yeah. And your favorite drink. Tui's new. Tui's new. <laughs> Straight up. As we're talking about it, Matthew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's our second one. Our weapon of choice today is the Tui's new and... I feel bad, the Great Northern, because normally I get the beers in. Yeah, but it's, that's, it's been sitting in my fridge for a we're while. We're meeting at 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we're doing uh, 12 pubs at Christmas later on, so the pub wasn't even... Or the bottle wasn't open before I got up here, so we're drinking Bowsy's beers from his fridge. So, cheers, Bowsy. Cheers, mate. Yeah, that Great Northern, I don't know who brought that over. That's been in the fridge for a while, but... Oh, well. Yeah, two is newer by far. We'll get rid of it tonight. Drink. Mate, so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you. All I want to do is get straight into it is what's with these tight suits? <laughs> I need to know because I'm I'm hoping this is just well, a phase. It it depends. It's like I think they've come along with the progression of the flying um, over the years that I've been around. So when I started, it was all about vertical flying. So like all your head up and head down kind of static stuff. Uh, and then normal suits that we call normal suits um, were catered for them, like with that um, bit of drag um, evenly throughout the body and all that kind of stuff. As the dynamic kind of flying has come through and since I've been around, like um, you kind of want to not take all that drag away, but you want to you want to have even pressure throughout the body, I believe. And tight suits, not like them overly tight ones. Like, yeah, I fly them. I, I, I like I guess a little bit, but they are definitely better. Like I like, like especially if you're doing hours a day, um, you don't want a suit like on like yeah, on your body yeah. the whole time. You want something that's good fitting and all that kind of stuff. So my suit that I fly, like my preferred suit, it's the RSX by Deem. Yeah, and it's not the uber tight one, and it's not a draggy one. Oh, it's God. it's a good little it's a good little one in between with a good response. So that's one I like. It's good for static and dynamic. All right, yeah. a very professional answer there, Matthew. Yeah. I was just saying the moose knuckles getting out of hand <laughs> yeah. these days. It's getting well, ridiculous. Like, Deem now are even like making this like cock pouch. I've already got it in what? a few suits. Yeah, like it's just to make it more comfy. But man, even if you've got nothing down there, it still makes it look like you got yeah. quite a lot down there. So it's pretty. <laughs> I'll take two, thanks, Deem. So, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, Bugs, you're known as probably one of the top tunnel flyers in Australia. Definitely one of the top tunnel coaches. You uh, do every boogie on the map, basically in Australia, New Zealand. You're traveling all the time. You're partying all the time. <laughs> it looks like the absolute dream life. Is it the dream life? 
it's it's definitely a it's definitely a job. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, when you like any other job, when you finish work, it, it's awesome. Like the party at the end of the boogie or the camp or whatever is awesome. Um, yes, it is the best job in the world. I believe I get to do what I love doing with people I love hanging out with, even if I don't know them, because we kind of have a lot in common before I ever know them. Um, so I do love it. Yes, it is hard work. Um, extremely hard work. Um, on all different levels, like the main goal at the end of the day is to keep everyone safe and alive. And, and that takes a lot. Um, I've worked out over the six years of doing it. Um, but yeah, beats any other job. I wouldn't change it for the world. But yes, it's hard. And yeah. yes, I enjoy finishing and having a beer at the end of the day or or the week or the month, whatever it is. So yeah. What's the most challenging thing about it is the time away, the new jumpers every drop zone. And then when it comes to even tunnel flying, new people in the tunnel, or is it people, the booking, the system, the admin? What's, what's the hardest thing about all this, keeping this whole machine, the Matt Bogues machine <laughs> um, going? The whole thing that keeps it going is a bit of luck, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I managed to keep it going, uh, so I work full-time um, for iFly. I have been for six years. And they've been very good to me to let me take all this time off work because I take a lot of time off uh, work to go and do the things that I do like externally, like <clears throat> boogies, camps, the, the the whole lot. So thank you, iFly. But um, if it wasn't for them to kind of give us some time off, I reckon it wouldn't happen. Um, once I get the time off work, that's when everything starts to roll. The boogies start to happen. The camps start to happen, which is really good. Uh, I think I usually take about three months. I reckon it's on average of a year I take off work um, to work more and uh once you're there it's it's a it's a it's an array of things so if it's like boogies like yeah priorities keeping everyone alive and that's that's got a lot to it so you've got to basically read every flyer you fly with and not just the people that you're flying with in your group it's everyone that's on your load you need to understand everyone which takes a lot of time um you need to know who's on the le- like who's on the like who's on level and who's like who should be there who should, probably shouldn't be there for the stuff that we're doing uh, and all that kind of stuff because the years i've worked out like I believe that the person that's flying themselves, they they should know their own level the best. But at times, it's it's all this new stuff getting thrown at them. So sometimes they they're a bit unsure of what they can and can't do. So that's where we kind of have to step in and kind of make sure everything's all going pretty good. But yeah, it's a lot of brain work, and um, most coaches in Australia do a fantastic job of it. But yeah, it's 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 tricky, man. Like it's tough. Yeah. Would you say being a tunnel fly coach and a Boogie coach has gotten harder over the last couple of years. I've seen a lot of the top names and the big guys are dropping out a little bit. And now there's only really a couple of you guys blazing, which is Mason Keithy. They've dropped back a little bit now as well. And you're the one blazing forward. It seems like it's not as cushy and as easy to make money as it was back in the day. Yeah, oh, in that sense, like there's definitely a lot more people doing it now, I believe. Um, you got some really good like coaches coming through. Like a lot of the guys I started with, like Tane, especially, he's like leading the way, I think, uh, and he's killing it. Uh, but yeah, like when I when I started, it was kind of like Mason was the big dog and he still is in my opinion. Oh, completely. Um, it's yeah, Gordon. it's Mason. Yeah, he's he's the best. But um, so when I came through, it was just really Mason and Kiefer kind of run the show. But as like sports uh, developing, tunnels are opening, people are getting better, people are getting really good and, and people are pushing it for more. So there's more people doing it, which is great. Like I think like um, I remember when like when I started to be like, you have to come on this tunnel camp or there's not another one for like six months. And now there's like one every 
like literally six days. Like um, you can literally take time off work now and book a camp and you'll get some good coach. Like there's that many kind yeah. of kicking around. Yeah, for sure. But there's a lot more coming through, I think. Yeah. Harder for you guys at the top? Um, Yes and no. Like in a sense. So you got these people that are like the students that are coming through that want to really progress because they see all this cool new shit that everyone's doing and, and they want to do it. And you've really just got to kind of like teach them as best you can, um, which is like the best part. Uh, but, but at the same time, keep them safe because the stuff that we're doing like now, is, it's pretty full on. Like the sports progressed ridiculous in the last five years. Yeah, how, hard, how hard is it to stay on top of all this? Because I, I dropped out for maybe six months and I was behind the level, didn't even know where I was at. Now I'm like, right, we're going canopy piloting. Just, yeah. But you're on top and you see people come. If you've got six months out of the sport, is that you out of the elite group and then you drop down to the second group? Oh, you have man. to be going every weekend? Yeah. To stay like on your game, like to be a hundred percent, you've literally just got to fly every every day. Wow! Um, I remember when I took my first month off from working in the tunnel, and I came back and I was behind. Like I could feel it straight away after a month. One month. One month. So you just like this is you one month and you were behind the game well, already. I kind of I got into the tunnel, went for a like because every time I go away from work, I go straight back in the tunnel, go for a fly and see what's going on. And um, yeah, like a month for sure. Like even like. And even wow. a big weekend, like yeah, you're, you're kind of a little bit behind the, the ball. motor skills are pretty pretty um, buggered after a boogie anyway. Yeah. And I think it's good for people to hear that. Like I've done this for a long time, and yeah, like having a few weeks off, I take a step back. So the person that does like a tunnel camp a year, which is a, like a lot of Australians, and um, like expect to kind of let like when you come back, they expect to take some time to kind of get back into it again. Like you don't just jump straight back in there. Like yeah. you. Yeah, you need to literally be in there every day to kind of keep progressing, I believe, um, and get comfortable. Like, you just got to be comfortable. Like, when you're flying in the tube or in the sky, you're comfortable because you've been doing it every day. Uh, when you have a month off, you've come back, you're like, oh, I haven't been here for a month. Like, and it takes you a little bit back to adapt back into it. So, yeah, definitely. Like, if you take six months off, then especially now, like 2019, you'll not be behind. You're not going to forget anything, but you're going to be chasing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, see, I've, I've been in the free fly game for a while now because yeah. it dropped out, but that's incredible. So one month and you're already dropping behind. How does this whole machine keep going? Is tunnel flying the way forward or are we going to be using tunnel to bring it to the sky? Because it started out tunnel to go skydiving. Now it feels like we've got we've kind of uh, taken a little bit. There's tunnel flyers. I think Kyra Power now is yeah, jumping. Yeah. You've got the Red Bull athlete guys who are jumping. Uh, there are girls in the tunnel. Meyer and all them, yeah. Is skydiving, would you say, still the mecca? And tunnel's the way to get there, or is tunnel taken over and now skydiving is this thing you can do on the side? Nah, so it depends on who you are. So I started <clears throat> I started skydiving 10 years ago and I loved it. Um, and I got into tunnel for that reason, to improve my skydiving. Some people that I've met over the years, um, they tunnel flew first and then they went skydiving, did their course, and then they still preferred the tunnel, so they stayed in the tunnel. Uh, vice versa, like I've had people that started in the tunnel, found out what skydiving was, quit tunnel, went straight to skydiving. It really depends on the person, I think, but I'll always believe that the tunnel is a tool for skydiving. Yeah, yeah. skydiving is the best. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. Nah, like, yeah. Talking to the converted here, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah. I've still yeah. got time sitting in the Gold Coast I haven't used yet. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you get out frothing from a good session in the tube, and but you, you can't beat the, like them really, like everyone's got their own jumps where they land and they're like, that was the best one ever. So yeah, yeah. I I always yeah I always reckon for me personally tunnels a tool 
yeah, for definitely sure. in a tough time these days with skydivers with the tunnel being so accessible and especially now you find a look at Byron Bay and places like this, people want to go down and bang out six jumps in the morning, then home again. There's none of this back on the drop zone for the weekend stuff going on anymore, hey? <laughs> yeah, so weekend jumping was awesome. That was around when I started and that has kind of stopped. Um which is not good or bad, I don't think. Like uh it's just the evolution of the sport, I think. Since the tunnels come through, uh, and also with like your boogie and camp kind of structure, um, people are now saving up money um, for these specific things to improve their skills, like on a good level. Um, where what I used to do was I just used to jump every weekend because yeah. there wasn't tunnel and there wasn't um, boogies and all that stuff happening all the time. So it's not good or bad. It's just like I said, evolution of the sport. I think it's yeah. just the way it's going. But if you can continue to weekend jump if you got the money and do boogies and then do tunnel like do it like weekend jumping sick yeah like one thing i miss especially about it is like with the whole evolution of the sport how like planes are getting faster um people are like you said like rocking up and then banging out six jumps and going home like byron's awesome like you can jump six yeah. times and go home by lunch mm. um but yeah like things i miss is definitely like sunset jumps like i rarely get them anymore and they're my favorite. High hop and pops at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, man. Like all that kind of cool stuff, like landing, like down in beers with everyone and then like kicking it on. Like that's what I miss. Yeah. Um, but like I said, faster planes, quick turnarounds. Everyone wants to be in and out. Like that's just part of it now, I guess. Yeah. You probably do more events than anyone else and you don't run them like some of the other guys. You just rock up to them and do them. Mm-hmm. Where's the sport going? Where are we going? Especially, I want to talk about Australia here because this is super interesting. Everyone else I've podcasted, they've always been internationals. We can actually talk about skydiving in Australia and I really want to get into this point and see where you think, Bogues, because you're in all of the places. Where's Australian fun jumping going? Because I know we're struggling a little bit. Boogies have disappeared. Yeah, so uh, I think it's a rumor, but like I heard that um, we're like funding-wise, we're starting to fund camps more to boogies. Uh, I think I think after the, the politics that went down with Sundowner and stuff like yeah. that, everyone would have seen it on Facebook. Yeah. Maybe it is, but... Like, like I don't see... Like, so, uh, rewind four years ago, I was telling everyone that camps are the camps are the shit. Like, you want to be on yeah. every camp. Like, um, you want to slow down on your weekend jumping. You want to do your boogies and all that kind of stuff. Because camps, camps, camps. That's what I was about. But well, camps just came in. Yeah, camps just came in. And it was awesome. Everyone was, like, in certain groups... Uh, of the same skill level, learning massive amounts. Over the years, I've found that all them students that are going to those camps, um, they're learning heaps, but they're not consolidating any of them skills. So let's say we've got this guy here. He wanted to come to a camp and he's like learning to sit fly or whatever. So he's learning to sit fly. The next camp, he's, he's nailed it. The next camp, now he wants to learn angles. So he's like on the back foot, learning angles, learning angles, learning angles. Now he's learning like head down, head down, head down. Um, I thought that was awesome seeing all this progression come through and then I started to look at like the individual flyer and um, they were consistently chasing something and it felt to them that they weren't actually achieving it they always felt like fuck I'm not getting it I'm not getting it I'm not getting it I'm like you you are getting it but we're just pushing it every time that's the whole point of learning like as soon as you get something we're going to continue to move on and we're going to continue to progress so you're constantly chasing this progression um, which isn't a bad thing, but over the years, you kind of want to sit back and go, hang on, what can I do? Like, I want to yeah. go comfortably go fly. And that's where I think boogies um, are needed still. Like, yeah. um, I, I call them consolidation camps. 
Uh, I saw a talk once by Hans from PD. Oh, I love Hans. And, um, Big shout out to and Hans. that was where that was my turning point. He said that um, boogies are awesome. You rock up and you f- you do what you can do. So if you can sit fly, if you've already learned it, you go and have a week of sit fly. If you can do angles, go do angles. If you can belly fly, like do ten ways or whatever, like head down the whole lot. So boogies are really good ones to chill. You're not like in a military structured kind of style, like do this, do this, be here on time, like blah blah. blah. It's like. You can have a party, you can rock up at lunchtime, you can go do some fun jumps and you can remember why you enjoy doing it yeah. rather than consistently like chasing like work yeah, chasing or working for this kind of thing. So there's, um, only, there's only so much you can chase. Exactly. And the thing is you're never gonna get it. You're you're gonna go find something else. Well the thing is if you just continue to do camps, you're gonna continue to keep pushing. Um, which is great, I think. But you're going to start getting that headspace of like, shit, I'm always just that little step behind, I'm a little step behind. Yeah. You're not really enjoying it as much. Yeah, like on some level you are, but boogies I think shouldn't be forgotten and weekend jumping shouldn't be forgotten. They should be the times where you should go, cool, I'm going to go do what I can do on a no stress at all day. Like, and just go chill and have fun. And that's and that's where you're going to continue to keep wanting to jump because you're going to have fun. I always say the person up there having the most fun is going to be like the one learning the most for yeah. sure because they're getting on the ground, they're frothing, and they want to get back up again. If you're constantly landing and you're not getting something, yeah, yeah you're looking to get down that burnt out path. So did we start looking at because I remember um, Mason got onto this one early, but two or three years ago he hit me up and he goes, these camps are really, there's no banter anymore. It's, he's like, I want a boogie, but I want a camp. He's like, I want to camp, but there's a boogie style to it. And I definitely think we're missing this. And I'm not I'm not saying bring back all boogies and all this. I just want to have a conversation yeah. because I haven't seen Sundowner try to start up. After that, it's it's there's no boogies out there. It's just camps. Yeah, well the thing was like Real Week Real Week, they they put the name as uh, I think when they went for it was like the Real Week Camp. <laughs> That's what they called it, but it Northern is by far. It, it, it was literally a, a structured boogie. Yeah, I perfect. Think. Well, that's what we and that's, that's what, what you need. Um, and Rail Week do it perfectly. Like I haven't really done much work overseas, but Rail Week will jump three to four days at the start. No matter what of the weather, they're going to do the first three or four days of jumping. <laughs> the middle day of the boogie is a day off, yeah. and that's your fun part. So everyone's either you're tired from jumping or whatever. You have one good party, you have a day off, and then you smash the next three or four days out after it. That I think is really good. It's not full structured camp. It's not full boogie. It's a good kind of in between. Yeah. And that's like a good medium, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, get the belches out. <laughs> awesome. So bring back the boogies. Everyone get out on the weekends and start fun jumping because there's no point in chasing unless you can have your bone at the end and actually have a yeah, bit of fun. Exactly, right? Like try and enjoy the stuff that you're doing. Like when Mason does all these camps, um, he's not expecting you to go home and do nothing. He's expecting you to go home and um, put this stuff in the sky yeah. and um, enjoy doing it until we see you next time. Um, but I find like a lot of people just go, cool. And fair enough, like depends how much money you got to spend, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. After a camp, if you need to save up some money, but try and just get to the drop zone. Even if you can do one jump, but go hang out for a week, like rock up, do the sunset load, have a couple of beers and just hang out. Yeah. Like, and, and that'll, that'll encourage you to keep coming because it is fun Yeah. Um, for me, I yeah. think, yeah. All right, that's enough politics about the Australian cool. let's, yeah. get, let's get into a time you nearly died, Bowsy. Or um, one time you're like Matthew. The time I thought I was going yeah. skydiving or non-skydiving. I'll take both. I'll take both, please. Okay, I got two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I reckon that scuba diving one was pretty fucking bad. Oh yeah. So yeah, I went uh, scuba diving once, and the dude's awesome. I love him to death. Um. 
And he took us out. I didn't have many dives, but he took us out on those um, scooter things you hook between your legs that kind of propel scuba divers underwater. And I, I didn't really get briefed on it, but like, he's like, cool, let's go. And I was like, sick. And then we just went straight down, like, fuck, like 20 meters in like not even 10 seconds. Oh. And my body just couldn't handle it. And I got down there and I was just like, and I could just feel my lungs just like, re- and I like tried to equalize as we're going down. Cause like I usually take about a good, to get to 18 meters would take me a good minute and a half. And I did it in like 10 seconds or something. And I uh, got down there and my whole body just started to go like, the fuck is going on here? And all I can remember is just like trying to breathe in. I was just trying to breathe in and breathe out. And I just felt like I couldn't get any air in my lungs. But what was happening was my lungs were so full of air. They're like 90% full. I'm trying to suck in more. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm just like sucking in more and more and more. And then I was like, oh, fuck, this is hectic. And then um, I had to kind of like boost back up to the top. And as I was going up to the top, uh, I worked out it's okay to kind of go up a little bit quick if you've only been down there for a couple of seconds. But uh, my eyes were like starting to close and I was like, oh, fuck, this is, this one's probably it. <laughs> Got to the top and then I was just like, wow. Like I was just so surprised on like how big my lungs got and all that kind of shit. Like my body just felt so weird. He came to the top and he chatted to us and he's like, well, you didn't black out. And I was like, oh, okay. And we ended, <laughs> up, we ended up going back down, but I was just so peaking. We ended up finishing all that dive off. There was bull sharks and shit everywhere. Like there was sharks. Everywhere. And that didn't even phase us. It was just the fact of... Being that fucking deep with my lungs after it happened still kind of scares me today. But that was probably one of the closest non-skydiving ones, I reckon. When I, yeah, doing the <laughs> scuba diving. And so you went down. Was it meant to go down that fast? Or he was yeah, like, so it's kind of it. like a, it's like an electric fan between your legs. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. basically makes you go really fast. Well, so you didn't fuck up. You just... No, nah, I just followed him down. Oh, and I just went like, fuck, here we go. And I was like, as I went down, like you had to equalize. And I equalized, but then like, a second later, you got to equalize again because you've just gone down like four meters. I was like, phew, phew. And then like one time I went to equalize, hit my nose and I bumped my goggles off a bit and that oh. kind of peaked me a bit and fuck, we were pretty deep. Oh, <laughs> and, we were uh, Yeah. But um, still awesome, cool sporting experience. But that was one of the scary, that's what I kind of get scared about. I'm very claustrophobic too, so yeah. that's probably why I was quite scared. Diving, definitely the sport for yeah. you. Um, <laughs> and then skydiving was, I won't say the drop zone. Or the plane, but the plane was going down and the pilot went uh, non-responsive. And that oh, was... Oh, run us through it from the start, please, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, so we took off. Uh, to be fair, we shouldn't have been jumping. So if you've ever been on a jump with me and I say we shouldn't be jumping, it's because of this, these fucking stories. But shouldn't have been jumping. The weather wasn't the best, but we went up anyway and uh, went through cloud at about 4,000 feet and continued to go up. We never came out of the cloud. And then as we're coming up, there was a guy in the plane that was an A-license, and I'm not an instructor, but I just said to him, hey, I'm going to keep you in the plane because uh, this is pretty thick shit. And uh, we got to about like 10, and then the pilot, man, like I was sitting up the front with him, and then he's just buried the nose, and you've never heard an engine rev harder than that day. Like it'd be like mowing your lawn, and you just hear the fucking... Uh, lawnmower just rev off its tits to the point where you'd kind of step back from the mower because it's just so loud. Shit. It's revving so it's hard. It's a turbine engine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, looked at old mate and I was like, you good? And he just didn't look at us. He had his hand like on all these little controls and I was like, oh, all right, he's probably dealing with something now. Um, and then as that was happening, I said to the dude, I said, hey man, we might have to get out to that A license guy that was on the plane. I said, well, I think we're going to get out. And he's like, why? I said, well, we're, we're floating. Like we were going down. 
And I was, he's like, oh, fuck, okay. And then I look back at the pilot again. And um, still he's got the hand on the stick and the throttle and all that shit. And I was like, you good? And he's like still doing his thing. So I was like, oh, I'll let him do his thing. And then I kind of went to stand up. And then I've just gone, this is too long. And I've just gone, mate, what the fuck? And I've kind of punched him. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then he's just like, get the fuck out. And I was like, wow. So I've yelled out. I was like, open the door. I'm saying this very calmly. I kind of screamed it on yeah. the day. I just casually um, walked down the And plane. this poor kid that's opened the door thought it was like any other jump that he's done for like uh. his last 15 jumps. So he's going to kind of like climb out the side of this plane. And the plane's like vertically going down. <laughs> and I was just like, get him off. So like they've pushed him off. And then I was the last one to get out. And everyone's kind of jumped out, which was great. And as I've gotten to the door, the whole thing's just kind of like shaken. It's gone like, whoom, like the whole plane's just kind of jolted and it's pushed me back up on the dashboard with the oh, pilot. Yeah. And that was the time I went. That's when you get that sick feeling. You're like, yeah. this is the one, like I'll catch it later. And the door just looks so far away too. It was fucked. And then the pilot was just looking at me with these like massive eyes and I was like, this is fucked. So I ended up like climbing out. By the time I got to the door and climbed out, like I was like belly crawling sort of as I climbed out. Um, got on the ground and then like landed and then I won't go too deep into it, but the pilot basically got down and had no recollection of what the fuck just happened. He was like, he just completely lost the plot. Um, so yeah, we get taught to listen to the pilot in all situations, but in that one case, that was a little bit different. Fucking pilots. Yeah, he didn't pilot again, I heard, so he was done. Yeah. Um, I remember his first name, I won't say it, but. Every time I go to a drop zone that I don't know, I always ask what the pilot's first name is, and if it's, <laughs> and if it's not, and if it's not that guy's name, I'm all good. So yeah, it's a good tip there, guys. Like um, know your pilot because they're, yeah. they're all pretty good, but there's that. Well, they're that not. One, sometimes they're oh, not, yeah. we had we I, I did one where they dropped us two miles away. Oh, that's that's the funny thing. So when I got out, I um I was I think I was 11 kilometers from the drop zone, but when the time we got out from this emergency. And when I landed, my friend uh, Stu came, picked us up and got back. And then the CI, I won't say his name, but he came tilting, walking over to me <laughs> and he's gone, you leading fucking angles in this fucking shit cloud. And I was like, bro, it's like fucking 12 Ks away, dude. I was like, I'm not leading angles and explained the story to him. How, and then how he, good's me track? 12 Ks? <laughs> yeah, 12, 12 Ks can't. 12 Ks away. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't sleep for two days after that. That was pretty bad. It's a party night? Nah, <laughs> just... Nah, to see I was snoring all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he fucking loves it. Yeah. Um, this story I love for years, it's always a good one. Um, when you came out of the cloud, you're tracking. You came out of the cloud. Oh, that one. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. That one, I, yes, I definitely could have died. Um, I won't say the drop zone, but I never got that sick Fuck, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna die. But, but yeah, that was in control that, the whole time. Uh, yeah, so I felt I felt as if I was in control in that one. So what happened was I jumped out. I uh, just got a job in the tunnel. Thought I was fucking awesome. Big dog, obviously. Big, yeah. Big Matt dog. I was like, yeah, this is sick. I've just flown for <laughs> hours. I'm I'm awesome at skydiving now. Right. Um. So <laughs> so we got out. Uh, we jumped a week, and the cloud base was five grand all week. And then on the last day, the cloud brace was two grand. And as we went up, I went, oh, fuck, it's two grand now. I remember that. And as we went up, we didn't go to 14. We went to 12 for some reason. And then um, as we jumped out, I was flying with a bunch of tunnel guys. And cheese we holes. jumped out and just, yeah, exactly, cheese holes for sure. And just pinned it. That was the jump. Like I was pinning it and the boys were going to fly with me. And then that was it. And I just kept going and going. And I was so caught up with the fact of going quick. Um, 
the cloud, uh, I just forgot. And the cloud was, to me was five grand. So I've just kept pinning it for this cloud. And as I get to the cloud at two grand, I'm there going through it going, fuck, like when are these ditters going to go off? Cause I'm still macking through it. Uh, what would, I was going that quick. My helmet was pulling back. So my ditters weren't on my ears. Um, my sunglasses, I jump in sunglasses. My sunglasses snapped. And as I went through the cloud, I saw the ground literally moving like uh, horizontally away from me. And that was fucking scary. Uh, so what I did then was I panicked. Like I went straight to my belly. And my initial reaction was to put my hand on my mane, which I did. And if it wasn't for watching, I swear, I don't think I've ever told Scotty this one, but Scotty Hisco showed me a video of that similar thing when he chased an F student or a B-Rail student down. I saw it and he went real low and he went for his main and realized how low he was, saw his ulti and then pitched his reserve. And that's kind of what saved my life, I think. I uh, went for my main and just went, fuck no, this is so low. Um, so I didn't pull my main, pulled my reserve straight away. And at that time I was jumping a velocity, I'm pretty sure. I think it was like a 90 square foot or something. And... Um, and I pulled my reserve instead. And I think that is what saved my life because I think at about a 1,000 feet, I'd pitched my reserve. So if I'd pulled my main at about 1,100 feet, for sure the reserve would have definitely come out as the velo was opening and they're not known for good openings and I reckon that would have entangled. Sponsored by Icarus now. Sponsored by <laughs> you, Chris Brook. <laughs> and um, yeah, I reckon I would have been dead. So that one for sure was the time I nearly died. But at the time, I didn't think... I was going to die. It was all happening quite quick. So for everyone at home, it was the getting out at 12, cloud base been at two, thinking it was always at five. Yep. Too much, too through. much, too much tunnel. You bent your helmet back because you were fucking going that fast. And the thing was, man, like when I got on the ground, I was like, I could have gone faster. That was like what made me kept going. I think I had more in me. Um, but oh, yeah, you had more. I had more to go. That was the thing. When the sunny snapped, I went, oh, that's probably enough. But, um, that was that was pretty quick, but yeah, I think like that little video that Scotty showed has probably saved us. Yeah. Um. So I'm always like a lot of people are fifty fifty on those videos, like them Friday freakout kind of things. Yeah. I think they're good to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, some people are against them. They're like, ah, oh, no, I don't want to see that shit. But I take the learning side of it, and yeah, that one, um, that one was pretty good. So cheers, Scotty. Yeah, <laughs> it was good to relate back to that because I had a similar one, but I was chasing a student, after student, after four. Casual gets out, big dog's got it. Uh, give me the high fives and everything. Goes to pull his parachute and uh, clicks his shoulder. Doesn't dislocate it, just clicks it. Oh. So I'm watching him. He's, he's all oh, this. Goes to get it. He's, his main hand. His main right hand for pulling the parachute. Oh. He clicked it. So when I say click, I mean like he just injured a bit. Like he still had movement in it, but he ah, just okay. couldn't get the parachute. So I was like, all right, I'll go get him. So I go in to get him and then he boom, goes for reserve. But his, and what it was, was his initial thinking was, okay, this. But then he realized what he was doing. He goes, no, nah, I'll get it. Goes back to the main. So I go in to grab him. I pull back because I see a fucking reserve coming out. Then goes back to the main. So I fucking bomb, uh, chase again. Fuck. Just as he goes again, he goes back because he was taught. Good, good after yeah. Taught so well. Two attempts straight to reserve. But when he went to reserve, he overthought it. Been like, no, I can get it. So he, he was doing everything uh, right. But, didn't, but so I was chasing fucking. Hello, is. I think I pulled my main at 1,300. You pulled your main? Pulled main at 1,300. Minute, I jumped your rig once and it took forever to open. Yeah, I know. I was on, I was on Togger at the time, fucking yeah. 99 JFX. It's called Togger. Yeah, that was the one I jumped at York. Yeah. Yeah, that took yeah, forever to open. fucking thing. It was the most beautiful openings ever from 1,300 feet, but fuck. Wow. I remember I dumped 
And I put my hand straight on my cutaway in reserve. Waiting for and it. And just went, duh, 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 duh. And then it opened. And I just went slowly up to my... <laughs> pop the brakes. <laughs> and then basically turned and flared. Fuck. And my boss at the time comes over and is like, I seen your fucking eyeballs, cunt. Wow. And she's like, and then that's the thing. I never seen a video about going to reserve, and I just went to now, obviously, because he 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 an AD. Yeah. Fire. So I watched him go, and I said, "Fuck!" Once, like you said, the ground pumping at you. It's fucking. It's not a good feeling. Nah, man. When it's you AD see it way. moving horizontally, like it's it's scary. Yeah. That video that Scotty showed me, same kind of thing. He ch- he chased like an Afro B roll student down. And uh, when he went for it, it was all good. I think it was like a recurrency jump or something. And then like he kind of went head low and then Scotty chased him. But when Scotty went for his main, he's like put his alti hand in front of him and he could read like 1,300 feet, I think, on it. He's like, whoa, fuck. So he's pulled his reserve. And as the reserve's open, he's flew straight ahead and he's gone through a gap in a tree and then landed. He was low. Oh. It was full on, man. I was like, whoa. Fucking and that video stuck with me and thank God. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Disco. Yeah. What a man. The man, the, the man himself. <laughs> My right, you've done a fair bit of jumping in your time. No one cares about that. The best, <laughs> the best party, the best fucking the best party. party? Hands. Had a boogie or anything. The best party. What's the one you fucking have to get to? That would be Funny Farm, <sighs> two thousand and. What was the Jeff Huck year? It was 2015. Jeff Huck, yeah, 2015. That was the coolest party I reckon I've Incredible. ever been to, man. That was the that was the night we cut, we dug a massive old Rogers brother that we built that a the farm the next day. No. Oh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> or the time we were taking a piss. No, nah, no. Nah, oh, that was the same year, wasn't it? Like uh, the cinema year was the same. That was the, that was the year when someone did a flyby on me to duck. Yeah. But it was Funny Farm. I think the best one, the best party I reckon I went to was, yeah, when we woke up the next day and we had the, like, the the party during the day. Uh, I remember <laughs> the party was on and we had, like, this tree trunk in the ground that we set on fire and we got, like, a leaf blower and we stuck the leaf blower oh, at the bottom shit, of the trunk yeah. and it was blowing, like, fireballs out. Dukes was there. It was the year Dukes was there. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. Dave Reader was there as well. That Dave Reader, yeah. like, uh, Lou Prenetto. Like, that was the first time I met him and, yeah. like, all that kind of cool stuff. Jason yeah, so that, that was there that year. That was well, the year, yeah. yeah. That was the best year. That was 2015. That was the first year I coached at Funny Farm, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And I, I remember, like, it was all a sick party and then it was just, like, click. And I like kind of came to and I was just sitting upright in the middle of like literally the outback and I had fancy pants uh, laying on my, on my leg. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And I'd fully forgotten it was the party day. So I'd quickly got up, ran to my tent, chucked my fucking suit on and rig (laughs) and I'm running back to the manifest as if it's all cool, like looking for the coffee guy to get a coffee. And Roger was there, and I'm good friends with Roger now. But at the time, I like um, he like I was really trying to impress him so I could continue to work there. And he's like, "Morning." And I was like, "Morning." And he's like, and he's, <laughs> like he's like, "He's like, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm just looking for a coffee, like with a jumpsuit on and fucking rig over my shoulder <laughs> after the party night." And he's just like, "Jumping's finished, man." Eh? I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just putting this in the car." He's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> And then after that, I saw Dommy, and then Dommy took us for a ride, and then we were just back into it, ready yeah. to go again, and yeah. it was sick. 12 hours, thank you. Oh, man, I was that drunk that day. I remember I was on the quad bike. Oh, I remember <laughs> yeah. that one. You were doing about 80 Yeah, I was just macking it around this the pond 
by myself and I'm just there going, this is the funnest thing ever. I really wish I could share this experience with some friends. And I think I said it out loud. Yeah. And at that time, you hear Bella and uh, Christian Mox, they're like, we're right here. And they were sitting right behind me on the quad. They'd been on it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I remember that. We're sitting there around the pond, dipping the feet, let's say, just chilling. Uh, everyone's having a giggle and having a good time. Ugh. We look over and here's fucking six cunts doing 80 kilometers an hour down the fucking runway. And Bogues even like, guys, you really need to try this. It was sick. I was like, you'd be having a good time sitting down, uh, Bryce. You don't even need a quad bike. That was cool. And then to finish that off, Roger built the Roger built a cinema screen uh, at the pond. And we all laid on the hill with a heap of mattresses yeah. and watched a movie that night. And they all oh, brought the, the food out. Worst and it was movie. in the it was yeah, it was a shit movie, but I don't no, know. No, we watched the, the was Dictator. So That's everyone's right. after partying all day. Yeah. And you're here watch you're here watching Kim Jong un singing, <laughs> Baby, you're a fire. That's right. It was that movie. I yeah. was sitting there and like, I'm going to bed. I cannot deal with this I, anymore. I honestly forgot the movie until you said it then, but like just laying there, like in the outback, like you could see every star. It was yeah. sick, and it was just like what sixty people in this mm. huge mattress, like yeah. big puddle of people. It was it's pretty, awesome. pretty incredible event for any farming. Oh, once we get some rain, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're gonna go again. I don't yeah. know if Roger knows. Me and Tracy tried to run the last one there, just the wrong timing. Um, with yeah. World Meet, yeah, everyone had different events on. I think even the Fly for Life boys were saying they were struggling to fill their events at the time. And if those boys are struggling to fill their events, there's no way yeah. you're getting an event going. But once, once we, we get rain, I reckon it'll be on because there's definitely like a hunger now for like more experienced stuff, so which would be awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny fun. Yeah, it's funny fun. <laughs> the skydiving so is there. <laughs> I'd love to go there one time and just not take a rig and just hang out. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I do, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Become an MC. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. So, Australian flying, very you're very passionate about it. I love seeing it going. I'm, I'm kind of more pushing. I want to push. I want to bring this sport into the next level. I want to bring it to major sponsors like Red Bull. We talked with the Red Bull guys. Yeah. Major sponsors. I want to get Toyota, Ford, 4X Gold. This that, That's my way of thinking. Where do you honestly think we need to take skydiving in general <laughs> worldwide? But you, you're more involved in the Australian side of it. So, yeah. where do you think we need to take this? Is it media? Is it more events? Is it tunnel it's i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet to be honest like everyone including people that don't jump uh can always remember i believe the first time they saw like a parachute kind of come in i remember the first time i saw a parachute come in it was probably like 10 years before i even took up skydiving i'm pretty sure it was at warnervale i saw this guy like kind of hook this 180 hook turn in and people remember that and as soon as like like i said i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet but as soon as someone would like like some kind of marketing dude comes along with a lot of money and just like wants to kind of get keen on it. Um, someone will take advantage of that and it's going to get, and I reckon they'll be fighting for it. Like we've done a few like promos over the last few years. Like Scotty, I've seen a few, he's done like a Toyota ad, like, like you said, like with Toyota and that. Yeah. Uh, Christian used to push quite a bit of it as well. But um, like as far as like getting those big sponsors on board, I think it needs to become a more kind of, um, talked about sports. So like, again, like we've been pushing for the Olympics for a few years now. I believe it's going to come on. Uh, I reckon it'll be like mid 2020s. I reckon is mid 2020. So yeah. after listening, talking to the boys from Europe, they reckon it's 15, 20 years before it gets in the Olympics. I'm going to say five to 10. Like okay. I reckon. Um, but like, cause like you look at some of the sports, man, like they've got skateboarding in this one. Like if skateboarding get in, fuck, like we can surely get this one in. Yeah. And once it gets in, it's so cool and unique. Like, 
there's bugger all like aviation sports out there that like are on Olympic level, which is which would be cool for us. It's mostly due to weather. Yeah. But um like if you've got a product and you want to sell it, like working in the tunnel now for six years, we get a lot of um companies come through and want to like make commercials and all that kind of shit. Uh, using the tunnel because it stands out. People go, holy fuck, like that guy is flying with like a fucking toothbrush or something, like whatever they're trying to sell. Uh, and and people remember that. Um, and like I said, even if you're not a skydiver. So like I said, it will happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, and once it does happen, I feel like people are going to be fighting for it. Like it'll be it'll be a great time to be jumping for how sure. Do we, how do we make flying relatable to people? This is the one thing because you can put someone put flying on their head up there. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, you just turn on your head. That's what people are thinking. How do we make a flying relatable to people? Because how do you get people like involved in it? How do you get someone at home to go, wow, that's incredible? Because at the moment, belly is the sickest thing yeah. in the world, or landing where the cross is yeah. is the baddest shit you're ever going to see in skydiving. Um, how do we get the head down, the carving? You've seen the Red Bull girls in the 32 foot tunnel. Yeah, amazing. We watched it. It was incredible. Other people would have said, oh, there's just more space between them. It's like. I think like that is happening. Like a lot of people look into it. A lot of people look into it because everyone sees a picture of a wingsuiter and goes, oh shit, I want to do that. And I think they look into it for like a couple of minutes and they look at the price, they look at the time and they look at the dedication and then they think, fuck that. Like skydiving for sure, I've never put any more time into anything in my life than skydiving. It takes a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of sacrifice to get good and to get involved in it. Even just learning to skydive. Um, so that's usually where we, I, th- I think we lose most people. Um, some people come along and they do their AF course and they get through the first nine jumps and then they get onto that B roll stage where they've got to start actually learning to fly and paying and, the, and, 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 and again, it's expensive. And then that's where we lose that market as well. Um, it's just like skydiving is expensive. Skydiving is hard at the start, I believe. Um, so I, I couldn't do it now if I tried to become a skydiver. Yeah, man. Now, like I couldn't, it, I, I couldn't f- I couldn't put the money aside for it now. I don't think like, so there's a, and that's what makes it such a niche market. I think like with the price again and the time, um, but we get that select few that kind of get through. If you want to get more people into it, they just need to start seeing it more. So like, I think the media does a pretty good job, like getting it out there. Like it's all over Facebook. They do when we fuck up. Yeah. They do a great (laughs) job when we fuck it up. But like, yeah, if you think around like, like Archie, for example, he's always on the fucking telly doing it. So it's definitely out there and I'm sure everyone's looking into it, but it's just, I think that's what's stopping most people is the price and the time. Like nowadays it's 2019. Like you can literally, like you can get an app and you can get something that you can get food delivered to your door in five minutes. Like people are used to this quick turnaround, fast paced kind of thing. And I remember one of the instructors in Sydney, I think it was Tom Mitchell. He was telling me, he's just like, the society now is so used to everything happening so quick. Like, you want information, you get it straight away. You want food to your door, you get it straight away. You want a girlfriend, like swipe right and you got a fucking girlfriend. Like it's so quick where skydiving takes a lot of time and that's when people kind of realize how much time it takes. Like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. So and that's why there's only a select few that do it, I think. Yeah. The people that really want to do it. Yeah, yeah so I want to get into the big conversation we had with the Red Bull guys, the yeah. kids. The kids yeah. who ah, are okay, coming yeah, through. Yeah. Matt, you've been known, um, Amy Watson would probably be out there, Sarah Yates, um, you've got Ariel as well. Ariel as mm. well. You've really put a lot of time and effort. I can see you enjoy it as well. You like yeah. getting out of it. First of all, what's the difference with teaching kids over adults? Uh, the money. The money and the fear. So when you teach an adult or a skydiver or whatever, 
even me, like when I was learning, I was there trying to learn to backfly and I was just fucking bouncing around on the fucking net going, this is costing me. I think <laughs> back then, back when I was paying, it was 2,100 Australian an hour. It was oh. fucking expensive. And I'm this there bouncing around on a fucking steel net, hitting walls and shit going, what the fuck am I doing? Like this is costing me so much money. Where kids, uh, they're not paying for it, which is one, they just think it's fun. Yeah. Uh, and two, uh, the kids just go so much further. If you coach a kid and they don't bump a wall for 15 hours, they will never hit a wall in their life. Like yeah. they, like if, if you coach them good enough and you don't let them hit a wall, as soon as they bump a wall though, and they have like a decent little knock, the fear will kick in and they'll slow right back down. They'll probably, probably pull out as well. Um, so with kids, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, fine line like if you fuck that one up you're not really going to come back for it like with sarah amy i never hit a wall with sarah i never hit a wall with but i had a day off once and she flew with someone else and she hit a wall and she's still kind of timid about it to this day uh ariel i think she hit a wall once again i wasn't there but she still kind of has some moments where she's like oh shit like i'm a little bit scared but um, but saying that, like, they're all three absolute shredders. Like, they're better flyers than myself. Yeah. So, um, but with kids, they're definitely the people coming through. They are definitely going to change the sport. If you want to see where the sport's going, literally go to a tunnel and look at the fucking kids club and see what they're doing because they're going to come through one day and go, I might try this this way. Exactly like someone our age did 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's going to change. Harvard, Ma- Martin Christensen, Ma- yeah. better than that of these yeah. guys. They had the skills already and got bored. Yeah. So they tried something new. Yep. Which these kids are bored of what we've already got. Exactly. They're like, oh, everyone can fly that. I'm going to start flying like this. And that's what's going to change it up again. So the kids are always like the future of everything, really. Um, so where's, like, where, where are these kids going? Where's, where, where is it going? Is it side flying? Is it big ways and tunnels? Is it solo depends. stuff? Because so, I know Inca, Inca changed the game when it came to um, uh, artistic flying. The yeah. VFS kind of left for a little bit. Now it's back. You've got the four-way speed, which it seems to be taking over a lot for the, all the experienced flyers because it's challenging. Where are these kids going to go? Uh, like, I'm all for kids. Like, uh, definitely like the competing side. Um, every kid's different. So, for example, Amy's done. She's that girl I taught in Sydney. She's like, she got junior world champion this year. Yeah, she's won. She's won. She's fucking also, epic. Yeah. yeah. So she uh, she's done like nine or ten tandems. I'm pretty sure. I don't think she'll do her AF course. She's never really said anything to me about it. Sarah, the girl I taught in Gold Coast, she is 100% doing a skydiving course. I think she's doing it in wow. February. Even with her disease. and Yeah, yeah. Even with, her bone, even with her bone disease. If you guys condition. don't know, Sarah Yates is an incredible story where she um, has got little holes in her, bu- yeah, in her it's bones. Uh, uh, multifocal... Uh, chronic multifocal osteomyelitis. Basically, if she... Wow, you can definitely tell you to coach her. Basically, <laughs> if she ran 100 meters, after 50 meters, she'd have to pull up because her legs were sore and tight. Yeah. So she had like a... It was like a disease eating through her bones or something. And then yeah. they found a good calcium. And at the time, she came to the tunnel and I said, she's kind of good at this sport if she can't do any others. Which she and couldn't because she, she couldn't, couldn't use it. Yeah, she, could, she couldn't even run. And then... Uh, so she stuck at the sport and then they found the right calcium to inject into her bones and she kind of came good after that. But that was pretty serious back then. And do you know, do you know what the best thing is about her scene? Sarah, she rips, she's... Uh, she does everything, man. third, but she, she bought a rail suit the other day. Yeah, she's doing yeah, four-way. She's, she's competitive four-way with uh, Archie's uh, Mrs. Yeah. Sam. So she does four-way team with uh, with them. She does all this artistic and she does all the dynamic dive pool. Yeah. She can literally do everything. And now she's, she's skydiving. And now she's learning to skydive, um, which is sick. So she got into it. She's hardcore skydiving. Um, well, she will be this February. And then Ariel, she's Ariel Dayborn, if you don't know her, she's going to be world champion 
very soon, I reckon. Really? She is ridiculous. She's putting in more time, more effort, more determination than anyone else I know in the world. Uh, and other world-class coaches that I've chatted to have said the same thing. Like, she will wow. she will take over. Um, but, again, I don't think she'll probably start skydiving. It's something that she's never really brought up to us when I used to teach her. Yeah. But uh, it's just different. Yeah, but as far as kids going through the sport, competing, if it gets on Olympic level, awesome. Like, everyone loves watching it, I think. But um, the kids are definitely the future. And if it wasn't for these kids, it wouldn't progress. The, it wouldn't make the adults want to go even faster. Like, so for the dynamic two-way, like, adults were going to a certain speed and then Kira came through and she fucking smoked everyone by, like, seven seconds or some yeah. shit in the solo speed. Was and it, then, isn't those brother and sister, apparently they worked out the speed that they are flying compared to everyone else, would, so it meant everyone was flying at 95, 92%. Yeah. They are flying at the same but with their body weight and yeah. that they were flying at actually 120 yeah. percent or something in that, the that, that's that sounds right so like the amount of times i've had a beer to drop with wittenbergs isn't it the- yeah no no and kaylee so like yeah. um we've chatted about this many times like what's the ideal kind of body position like do you want to be really light or like really heavy or really thin or really straight or whatever um but the thing is like with these kids kind of coming through yeah they're flying way faster but it's going to make us the adults want to like hungry to beat them so that's the good thing so i think in the years you're going to see faster tunnels um where the kids can't fly oh faster tunnels faster tunnels so it gives the adults a thing to kind of keep back like catch up to them so it gets to a point where the kids are like fuck that's too fast for us like it's out of our reach so then that's where it kind of becomes an even playing field i think um so you got like faster tunnels that's one component that can get improved on uh, but then you just got like working out new styles, a way to fly. Like um, it's getting faster and faster as the years go on. So, and newer flies are coming through too with different methods. So if it wasn't for those kids pushing it, we wouldn't be as super hungry to kind of bang it out as well. So it's, it's good. And for those that are losing to the kids, not so good. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. taking so a go. The big one I want to know is I used to play rugby as a kid. Mm-hmm. I've given that up now. How many of these kids, it's their sport that they did. And once the parents funding disappears, how many of these kids do you think are going to stick with it? Out of everyone now, I'm talking the kids club. Fair enough, we've got Cairo, we've got Amy, we've got Sarah Yates and stuff like that. The kids club, is this just a sport to them or is this their life? And they want to do it because we're. Um, I know a lot of people are jealous of these kids. Oh, they're shredding already. Uh, but is it just something they're doing or is it something that they're that passionate about? Sarah will, Sarah the Gold Coast girl, she will continue on and she'll. I believe she'll fund herself yep. through skydiving. She works at the tunnel now as well. Yeah, Amy, for sure, she's going to continue on. She signed a ridiculously cool contract with um, the Thailand military and she's now an ambassador for Thailand. She actually lives in Thailand now. Cash money. Yeah, so she's going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Ariel, for sure, like she's at a point now where she basically, she can't stop. Like yeah. she's so ahead of the game. Red Bull. Oh man, she'd be she'd be out there. She's like she's a ridiculous flyer. Like when I coach her, there's so many things that she can do that I can't. Like Mason was the same. He's chatting. Oh, wow. He's like, he's like, I can't do that shit. I was like, me neither. I was like, that's ridiculous. But um, so overall, I don't I, like. There's a, there are a lot of like like I, I'm trying to answer your question. Like a lot of the kids that are coming through that are getting paid for it, will they continue on? I want to say yes, but then again, like it sounds like a pretty straightforward question. Can a 16 year old kid pay twelve hundred dollars an hour yeah. to go for a bit of fun? That's a definite no. Mm. Um, but kids kind of end up in these situations. They stick at it. 
Like, look at, like, Shane Onus. He started in the kids' club. He's now a fucking, like, 18-year-old tandem Freak. master with 3,000 jumps. If you haven't heard of that kid, get onto him. But Freak. he's um, – so he'll be set up for life because you kind of it, – it'll take you to a position where you can kind of make a career out of something. Um, I reckon Sarah will work in the industry, like, um, for sure. Amy is already in the industry. She's an ambassador for Thailand through flying. Yeah. Uh, and same with Ariel. She'll end up in the same spot as well. Um, but if you kind of stick at it long enough, it'll open enough doors to kind of continue on and you won't be that person paying for it as like a normal person. Well, yeah. this, this is something we talked about on the Red Bulls podcast. If you work hard enough, there's a niche in every market that yeah. you will find. Like yep. freestyle, everyone's in it. Inca came along, boom, freestyle is the new thing. Um, MCing, Jesus, Regan was doing it there for a while. There was no yep. MC before Regan did it. Yep. There was no boogie MC like me, and then they did it. It's if you work hard enough and you push hard like yourself, if you if you just continue to, do, it sounds kind of like um, something you hear off a movie, lame. But if you kind of just do the same thing every damn day, it'll happen. Like yeah. I remember, I was in. I still remember where I was standing. Um, I did my tunnel camp. One of my, th- I think it was my third tunnel camp as a punter, like a student. And I was with Mikey Carpenter and like Christian Mox and all that, and it was awesome. And Matt Hill, it was sick. And uh, they all kind of like left us after the first day. And I asked someone, I was like, who, like, what do they do for like a job? And they're like, that's their job. And I was like, what, to fucking fly all day? And they're like, yeah, like they are full time skydiving and tunnel coaches. And I was, and I was just like, fuck. And literally from that day, I still remember the direction I was facing in Singapore on Sentosa Island. I was looking at this purple wall when, um, when I realized it was actually like a job. And I was like, holy fuck. So from that day on, I hounded the tunnel. Like I didn't end up in this job as a luck. I um I researched every person that was going to open a wind tunnel in Australia. There was five people at the time. The person that opened one was the least likely to open it, um, but he did. And then one little bit of luck. I was pissed as fuck one night at this pub. Casual. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> chatting to this girl who was one of my friends, and we're talking about wind tunnels, and she's like, "Oh, like my brother's thinking to open it." And I looked, and I remembered her last name, and I was like. I know the guy that's going to open that. Is he actually, is he here? And then I had a beer with him. We started chatting. Then basically stalked him, got a job in the end of it. Uh, when I put my resume in, there was 142 people that went for the instructor job at Australia's first wind tunnel for seven roles. And I came last in the resumes. My resume was so shit because it had nothing on it. Um, I got through as like a wild card entry. Uh, Holly said I got through as like, oh, this guy, like I know a bit about him, so he might be all right. Then I got through on the interview and stuff and I nailed that stuff, so I got through. But um, after that, once I got the job, I still wasn't there. And I was like, cool, I'm not in that spot where Mikey was, so I continued to progress, having fun the whole way. Like I was loving every step of it. But all I'd do, I would work all day in the tunnel. On my days off, I would fly in the tunnel. And if I wasn't at the tunnel, I will be on the computer looking for ways to fly again. So like jumps, boogies, Everything like that. I coached everyone free for about the first two and a half years before I started like advertising as a coach. And then from there, it just took off. I think my first big boogie was Funny Farm 2015, like I we were saying. you got that gig. You were that excited. Oh, man. I was stoked. Yeah, Especially I said Ro- Funny Farm. Yeah. On, the, on 2014, I didn't like it. And then Roger, I didn't know him at the time. And he come up. He's like, did you like the boogie? And I went, no, this was probably the scariest time of my life. And he like said, why? And we had a beer and chatted about it. And he's like, well, if you came next year, like, do you think you could do a better job? And I was like, no, like I've got no idea what I'm doing. And he's like, well, you're on. So we'll see you next year. And I was like, fuck. So that, that whole year I progressed my flying, progressed my skydiving, went there and coached. And then from then on, a lot of people were like, hey, you coach at farm. Can you coach yeah. at this book? And then my whole career kind of took off from there. But I literally, all I did every day was just dedicate all my time to it. And it does happen. It does, like you said, it doesn't matter what it is. If you 
if you do it every day, you're doing that dream that you're doing. Like yeah. it, it, it's there. It's, yeah. You're doing it straight away. So yeah. yeah, not to get too lame about it, but yeah, 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 yeah. I worked hard and I'm successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thirty-two foot tunnel, frothing fuck. or scared. Uh, so <laughs> I reckon I'm frothing on it. Uh, I'm just waiting for someone that's got the time to organize 20 people or something. To the 16 of, ways have gone up already. I saw that. That was the, the skydive Dubai yeah. team staff or something like yeah. skydive Dubai staff. Um, there'll be someone around there that's kind of going to be fun enough to organize like an invite kind of thing and get some cool flying happening. And that's once I kind of see it, I'll, I'll probably go over there and do it. And then there's no rush, but Man, that thing's fucking huge. Like, I reckon someone will seriously hurt himself in that thing. Like, yeah. uh, I've seen a lot of shit go down in like 12, 14, 16 foot tunnels and fuck 32s, man. That's big stuff. Like, yeah. But the is it, potential is it, to do some Is cool it more shit. a chance to stop yourself from hitting the wall no, though? No, I've never seen someone tracking it like a wall, like about to eat shit and somehow pull them back. I've never seen it. Like when okay. they go for the wall, they're fucking going. Like the, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, maybe if they're on like a really good level of flying, for sure. But like that guy learning head down or whatever, if he starts going back and yeah. he's he's not fixing that, no fucking way. Yeah. Do you think maybe that um, people are gonna like like they do? You downsize once, you you can't go back. <laughs> Do you reckon you're going to fly in the oh. 32 and then and then not be able to come back? Saying that, that's actually that's a good question. Um, yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> so whenever I go to Sydney, I used to when I was single, I used to fly down to Sydney every two days off a week to fly in another tunnel. I'd fly from the Gold Coast to Sydney for two days to fly in that tunnel and fly back. So I did that for like a year straight, and I used to love it down in Sydney. It was sick, 16 footer. I'd come back to Gold Coast, it was 12 footer. I used to hate it for the first day because it was small, it was slow and all that kind of stuff. I think if I go to 32 foot and come back to a 12 yeah. foot, I'll probably quit. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can see that happening. I never thought of that until you said it now, but yeah. that'll probably happen. Yeah, that, yeah, that, well, that's um, going to suck. Felix said to me, he goes, he's like, and I, I, that's the first time I heard it off. And everyone was like, shit, people are going to die. And yeah, let's, man. Let's be yeah. honest, it's, they're in a country where that shit can go down and they're just going to be like, okay, no problem. Well, that's the thing. I said, like, I didn't know what Abu Dhabi was like at the time. And I was telling all the boys at work, I'm like, if he's going to go, I reckon we've got to go within two years. And they're like, why? I said, because someone will kill himself. They'll somehow sweep that shit under the rug. Second person will kill himself. It'll shut it down. But then everyone kind of educated on me on Abu Dhabi and they're like, nah, man, they don't give a fuck. So yeah. it'll stay up all the time. But man, like the potential for shit to hit the fan in the tunnel, man, no pun intended, funny, yeah. uh, is they're in like the smallest of tunnels, like a 32 foot man. Fuck. I would not want to be working in that thing. Like, fuck. It's so big. Yeah. It's like, you're going to do the coolest shit ever. And you're going to, I reckon do the scariest shit ever. If you're learning some I think, stuff. I think it's more profiles. We're all thinking about like, how is this going to operate on a daily basis? I don't think they give a fuck about that. They're not running first timers in that fucking thing. Nah, they are. I saw a first timer. What? Yeah. I saw a first timer. Right? Like there was a photo of this instructor dude with his first timer. And it just looks selfish having all that fucking wind going past Big. that one. I was just like, how rude of you. Um, <laughs> but I heard that too. I heard a rumor that was no first timers, but then I saw like a picture and I was like, oh, fuck, maybe not. Like I could be wrong, but yeah, like, oh, well, I hope they do good. When they hired the people, they didn't hire any newbie instructors. They yeah. wanted people with minimum certain amount of years Yeah, uh, for that with. obvious reason. Yeah. 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 Jesus Christ. Yeah. Awesome. So what's ne- next for Matt Bugs, mate? Where are you going? Um, I don't want to know the next couple of months what's going on 10 years where do you see yourself where are you gonna oh, be man 10 years uh man i want to be that guy that's literally rocking up there's a dude i kind of idolize 
Uh, his name is um, Steve Dines. He was a dude back at my home drop zone, and he was the he is the shit. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was no, the coolest no. dude back in the day. Um, like Dugs idolizes him. Like that's oh shit, yeah, Dugs yeah. idolizing him. So Dinesy, like um, he's and when I kind of saw him, like I look at him now, and he froths so hard on fishing. And just hanging out with these kids now. But he still goes and jumps like once a month or two months or something. So he still kind of jumps. Um, I want to kind of be in like 10 years, like I'll be like, what, 40 then? I'll be jumping still regularly. Like that's the that's the game plan is to stick around as long as I can. Um, probably find something a little bit easier on the body. But just being that dude rocking up on the weekends, having a sick time, jumping, seeing all the new shit coming through and kind of learning yeah. all that kind of stuff. I reckon after like 10 years, I reckon when I'm 40, I'll be probably slowing down by then. But as long as I can keep the froth levels up, not get burnt out and do what like Dinesy's doing, like yeah. froth on fish and go jump and all that kind of cool shit, that's that's kind of what I want to do. Awesome. Yeah. Where would you like to see, first of all, skydiving in the future and then tunnel? Where like uh, 10 years down the line, where is this I'd shit? L- Olympics. I'd love to see um, competition in the Olympics. That would be sick. Um, and the other thing is probably more accessible drop zones, like closer to fucking things like... Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like is traveling ages away yeah. <laughs> to a drop zone because we have to jump ages away. Love Tugs, but fucking two hours from the Gold. Tugs is sick, us. but man, it's so far oh. away. Imagine having like a place where you could just like something like Copenhagen where you just land in like a fucking oh. something like that. But Frothing. yeah, it's like when that kind of shit comes through, I'd love to see where the parachutes are going to go in the next 10 years. Oh. Like when that layer and Petra and all that shit came through, I was like, that was 10 years ahead of its time. I thought, like, you looked at the progression of all the previous canopies and then you're like, boom, like all this Dallas shit coming well, through. Well, you heard the story about when he put it through the simulator. No. Nah. So he put it through the simulator and this simulator takes about seven, eight hours to do. So he put the Petra through and this thing calculates millions and millions of points and gets the drag on the wind. And normally you're looking at for like maybe a 0.2% or a point. Eight percent or that he put the petra through and it came through at three o'clock at night and he had to set up on his phone or something that gave him a notification it came through it was 15 percent fuck see and that's he, the thing and that's exactly- he drove to gyro's house yeah woke him up gyro's like what the fuck are you doing at my house bro it's three o'clock in the morning julian yeah i i that i don't fuck. know if it was a message or something but he drove his head knocked and he goes we've i don't know yeah. if it's 17 percent, but it was something like they're looking at one percent two percent that's their margins yeah. 10%. Man, like, because like, the way parachutes are coming through, like, I don't know if that was a bit of luck involved, but, like, you look at the progression. I jumped to JVX a little bit and all that kind of stuff, and then you learn from the JVX, and then you look at the layer, and then you look at the Petra, and you're like, that's like a fucking, like, five years advancement yeah. in, like, a, in a couple of months. And I'm like, if they fluke that again, I am so excited to see where that shit's going to go. Well, I believe Gyro said, and I can't wait to get some of the Icarus guys on here, but he said, I've got canopies, I just don't have pilots. Because people yeah. aren't skilled enough. And he said this before the Petra. He said, I need to bring out canopies that people can fly. And then I can finally get to the point where yeah. they can fly my parachutes. But that's been like, that's kind of been the evolution since the start. So if you think like, it's kind of funny. You hear people, like you see the old guys yelling at the students at the drop zone. Like, that canopy's too far. should fucking slow down. And they're like, oh, it's just a crossfire too. Yeah. That crossfire too, if you put that crossfire too back in that guy's time frame, that would be fucking Kill them. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. So they don't have the pilots at the time. So, like, we're all kind of stepping through these stones to kind of get through this future goal. But, like, um, with the Petra and the layers and everyone's kind of flying them, yeah, in 10 years, the, the pilots are going to improve and the parachutes will improve. And it's going to keep going. 
And that's my goal, to stick around as long as I can to kind of see that shit and hopefully fly that shit. Like I fly a layer at the moment. It is the coolest thing for me about skydiving right now. It is so fucking fun. 70% of the jump. Oh, man, it's sick. Like I did this cool like Starcrest weekend and it's like belly stuff. And everyone's like, why are you doing belly? Like I thought you liked to free fly. I'm like, man, I'm pulling it like five grand and I'm flying this Ferrari to the ground like yeah. for minutes at a time and it's fucking epic. So um, yeah, seeing where the parachute is going to go in 10 years is going to be off the charts. Checking to get into competing and kind of be piloting? Me? I'd love to. That's my goal. Uh, yeah. When I saw the swoop freestyle thing come through, the the it was the first one you did at Copenhagen? Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. No big deal. <laughs> well, I was there and I, I was like was there at home watching and I saw like Claudio and like Tom Baker and all that. Yeah. There and, and I was just like, that would be the sickest thing. So from that day, I was like, cool, that's going to be one of my future goals to get to that level. Um, but then like... Freestyle is fucking hard, man. Like, oh, yeah. it's hard on the body. And I've accepted that it's hard. Like, um, I was trying to, like, I did the switchblades for a bit. I started the blind mans and then I was, like, limping around at work. And I was like, fuck. And then I was chatting to Andy Macchioli one day and he just goes, all of his injuries uh, that he's ever had are freestyle related. So I was like, cool. So it's a bit of a risk learning that freestyle yeah. shit. But, man, it looks sick. So whenever there's a pond, I'll give it a crack. But um, that is definitely, like, the... The goal for me is kind of get to that kind of level where yeah, like really get that swoop and down packed. Big talking point at the moment, the mutant harness. What do you think of it? Oh, I don't know too much about it. It looks sick. Like it looks more of like a speed wing harness than a skydiving harness. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I guess you're swooping a canopy. Yeah. I don't know if it's swooping, but they're modifying it in a way to go faster, which is Cool, I guess, because then the people that have the normal harness from the shoulders are going to try and improve ways to get better at that. Mm. So evolution, again, is always good, I think, uh, to a point. This thing's going to go through the roof. I'm still still on the fence about it because it's a new harness. You need to buy a new harness and people can't. Yeah, it's not is it a whole a whole setup? Like whole you need a setup, whole new container. you need to do a course and um, that. I love the way Vector are going with this. I love the way they're pushing it forward. Still a little bit apprehensive though because that swooper who just can't afford the harness is going to get out of swooping because of it because they need to compete. But you can jump them without using the mutant. So you you don't have to yeah, go mutant every okay. time. And I don't know. I just love the way they're pushing it hard. Where we're going to go with it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I like it because everyone else is going to be sitting back that manufacturers uh, containers and then they're going to start bringing shit through as well. Well, uh, The thing that now I found out when I was in South Africa, I they were like, we're flying canopies that aren't built for this harness. And I was like, wow, I didn't Ooh. think about that. So PD yeah. at the moment are developing a mutant parachute. So that ah. is going to be an absolute uh, see, and again, fucking like, game changer. See, that's the thing. So like they've made this mutant harness and they're making canopies for it now. Yeah. Like, And it's all going to keep evolving. Yeah. Um, which is the cool thing. But at the moment, I probably wouldn't jump a mutant harness. It looks pretty scary. Especially, I like to free fly. And I heard they're free fly friendly, but I'm a bit hesitant to change yeah, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's always yeah. the way. Yeah. All right, you've been learning Portuguese lately, Matthew. Because, <laughs> you, because you're going to... Um, oh, you're going to put me on the spot, aren't you, no, Yeah. <laughs> because you're going to see their parents and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Going to go... I leave on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah. Could you just translate this for me, please? Você quer a casa comigo? That means uh, you, you want uh, something with my friend. What's Kassar? So you, I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, it does. It says, um, will you marry me? I thought oh. you would have. 
I thought you would have known that uh, already, care mate. Care is want, I think. Yeah, it's but not, oh no, it's will actually. Yeah, you, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, question's not getting popped anytime soon. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to say it. Oh, shit. Oh, awesome. shit. Well, I think it's about time we get on to the awkward answer, Bugsy. Awkward answers. Yeah, so you need to Sounds convince good. me why this is true, all right? So the awkward answer, obviously, it's not going to suit you. It's definitely not going to be something you want to talk about. But um, can you just please explain to me why tunnel coaching is shit? Why is tunnel coaching shit? <laughs> convince me, Matthew. Um, tunnel coaching is so shit because, um, sometimes I'm hungover from the night before and I have to talk to people a lot. Uh, tunnel coaching is shit because, man, I'm trying to think through this list of ideas and all of them are good. Um, (laughs) no, no, no. Like tunnel coaching is so shit because sometimes I have to fly to a place away from home and I don't like airports uh, <laughs> and, solid, solid. and when I'm there um, sometimes my shoelace comes off <laughs> and it slaps my leg and I fucking hate that I right, don't we're know. on to the it's next fucking one not shit, yeah, you're hard. really pushing that one oh fuck alright um, please tell me why everyone should be wearing baggy suits and not tight suits why should everyone be wearing baggy suits um Cause you want that drag. Oh, you want to you want to slow that. You want to be slow your fall down as much as you can, so you can fly longer. Uh, think of that extra ten <laughs> seconds in fucking free fucking fall. Wing sooner. Oh fuck! I don't know. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Please tell me why a twelve foot tunnel is so much better than a thirty two foot tunnel. <laughs> oh, it's fucking way better because you can really like. Um, dial in all your stuff without having to move around so much and stay on that one little small spot and just sit in that same little area. Why would you want to dart around this massive area? We can do it in such a small area. Like you can do it quicker and faster there. Like. If you put 16 in the 12 foot, you're all closer. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, all this extra space, like there's no need for that room. Like it's, it's pointless. <laughs> Fuck it out. This is tough. Oh, Matthew. What's coming up for you next? You've got a couple of events coming up. Do you want to explain them to you? And how do they get in touch about coaching with you and going from there? Uh, okay. So usually every year, uh, like I guess like November, December, and I'm cooked for the year. And I always tell myself and I tell my girlfriend, I tell everyone, I'm like, um, next year I'm going to take it easy. Next year I'm going to take it easy. You fucking tell me that. I well. tell everyone that, yeah. Uh, but next year uh, I've got, um, I don't know if you saw it, but like, did you see the door there with the double calendars? I have these like big calendars that I just kind of draw on, like yeah, they're pretty happening. empty. Nah, they're, <laughs> they're off the they're off their head. But January, uh, like I'm in South America, leaving Saturday, and I'm I'm on holidays. Come back, massive party for me thirtieth, and then uh, January eighteenth, service paradise. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Put it out there to the millions who are listening. Oh uh, yeah, and then um, so so January is kind of like just working at the tunnel normally. February again working at the tunnel, but I go to the gyro boogie, which is gonna be fucking huge. Are you going? Fucking way. You going? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. So gyro boogie is gonna be massive. That's in Maruya. I think Rego sold out, but yeah, it is. In skydiving, there's a lot of flakers. Uh, get on that list, and oh, I don't think it. anyone's gonna flake from this. But get on the get on the reserve get on the, list. Get on the waiting list for sure. Up. They're not gonna yeah. kick you off. So I got yeah, I got that one, uh, and then getting into March, I got 
Down Under Dynamics 8 in the Gambi. Yeah, I'll be there too. And, oh yeah? Fuck yeah. yeah. We're all here. I, don't, I can't believe cunts are still getting me to come to these events. Sick. And then uh, straight after that, I go to um, uh, Eldersley where I started jumping. And uh, and there's a boogie there over like the Easter break. So if you're from New South Wales and you've got nothing to do on Easter, uh, Eldersley for sure. And then like March, April, May, I'm going to chill. It's starting to get a little cold. And uh, in June, it's going to be freezing. So I'm going to do a massive uh, tunnel camp in Sydney uh, in June. So that's what I'm doing till, yeah. Then I usually only plan six months And you still work full time. And yeah, when I when I say chill, when I say chill, yeah, I mean working full time at my tunnel. Yeah, so like he's not an all time coach. He he's got a fucking full time job. Yeah, at the same time. which is coaching as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, like so when I go somewhere, I literally like I don't know if anyone's ever seen me the day after party day, but I'm usually looking for a taxi or a lift to an airport because I have to fly straight back to work. Looking literally for your, straight looking back to work. Dignity as well. Like um, the other day, I flew from I did the Kiwi boogie in New Zealand. And flew from Christchurch straight into Brisbane and then went straight to work for a 11-hour day after doing a six-day boogie with no sleep. And that was fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely up there. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, so that's like the next six months. So yeah, it's, it, there's wow. a bit on. There's a bit on, but it usually it'll pick up a bit more as well, I reckon. How do they get in touch with you? Ah, uh, if you're going to get in contact with us, just just uh, Facebook's usually the best way. Like Matt Bogue is my name or Matt Bogue Coaching is like my work page. But for some reason, no one ever mentions that one. So. Where did Matt Bogue from Australia come from? Ah, Stu Gillies. Yeah. Hey, so everyone always asks. That's a popular. Everyone always goes like, where's Matt Bogue from Australia? Um, Stu Gillies one time. I'm pretty sure we we're just driving to the drop zone. And uh, he's one of my mates from my home drop zone. And we're just driving there one day. And he's like, Matt Bogue from Australia, mover, shaker, heartbreaker. And he was a boilermaker, so he'd say boilermaker. Um, pleasure's all mine or pleasure's all yours or something. He had like this cool song going about it or something. He just made it up <laughs> on the fly one day. And then he started like hashtag on a few photos, Matt Bogue from Australia. And then every, a few other people started it. And then just, he, Stewie doesn't even say it anymore. Everyone else does. Yeah, it's pretty oh. funny. <laughs> awesome, mate. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Sick. Before we go, who would you like to see next in the podcast? Who's the best one to get up next? Um, Someone that's kind of seen... Some cool shit would be, and like would have some cool stories. Uh, yeah, Archie Jamison or uh, Scotty Hisco. Oh, the disco. I reckon that'd be cool. Like a cool like podcast with like trims and tats, a little tattoo on the side as you're doing Sponsored your podcast. By trims and tats. <laughs> I can get a tat in the podcast. Really? Yeah, we can do it. Fuck yeah, that'd be sick if you get like yeah. So either them two, like I'll, I'll nominate, I'll nominate them to get on. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. But um, yeah, like Archie for sure, man. I've had beers with him and listened to some stories. Same with Scotty, man. He's they're done. Mental, Scotty's done literally everything yeah. in the time frame that Archie's done as well. So they've both got awesome life experiences and it's fucking cool to listen yeah. to. Yeah. So I think everyone should. Yeah. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. We're good mates. Anyway, we actually got 12 pubs at Christmas. We're getting straight on yeah. the piss after this. It's uh, 11 <laughs> o'clock in Australia and we're going straight to the pub because we've got 12 pubs of Christmas where we're it's skate or die version. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Everyone at home, thanks so much for listening. If you do want to check us out, make sure you can grab us on Spotify, iTunes, and uh, Google Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you want to get in contact or any suggestions about the podcast, please get in touch on my Facebook page or email me at uh, podcast at gmail.com. I love what I'm doing. Any suggestions, any people you want on the podcast or any issues you want brought up, make sure you get in touch because... I'm loving this and I can't Sick. wait to keep putting them out. So, so Matt good. Bugs, it's time Let- to fucking go big, Brad. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> Let's party. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thanks, bro. Yeah.